Good morning, Victory Church. How you doing? Let me hear you. So good to have you here. My name is Troy. Me and my wife, Darla, get the incredible privilege to pastor this great church, and we're so excited about all that God's doing right here in Smyrna, Tennessee, North Rutherford County. Uh, if you're visiting with us, let me just first start off by saying welcome. So glad to have you right in the summer. Hope you're enjoying uh, whatever kind of time you have off, getting, being able to get out and enjoy some vacation. Uh, so glad to have you here, and uh, just glad that you would choose to spend your Sunday morning with us. And so you heard a lot of announcements that Malcolm brought. I do want to emphasize, look, fill out those connection cards. Let us be able to connect with you and do the best we can to getting you plugged in uh, we're so excited. We, we've been now, what, about four, I think we said four or five months is what we've been going now since January 21st. And this was a cool stat I thought was cool. When we, when we launched the church, our dream team was at about 45 people. Uh, the dream team is, is what you see everybody serving, worship team, production team, kids team, first impressions, the whole deal. And uh, we're coming right up on 100 right now in our dream team, just about four or five months. And so God is just building the church. It's great. It's exciting. One of the things we launched yesterday that we are able to do mostly for the summer that we were really, really glad to do was Saturday morning prayer. And so we had some people join us. If, if you remember, if you were a part of the church uh, a couple weeks ago, we put a lot of prayer requests, which I'll talk about in a minute, into a jar. And so we were able to uh, just kind of pray over the service, pray over different people who had let us know that they, they weren't feeling well and, and praying over police officers and praying over the, the things that you guys have already asked for us to pray for. And so every Saturday morning, 8.30 to 9.30, we gather right here. There's no agenda. We come in to pray. You can come in at 8, uh, 30 to 8.45. You can come in 9.15 and 9.30. It doesn't matter what your, uh, whatever works best with your schedule. But here's our deal here at Victory Church. We're a very applicable church. We're a church about application. I, I'm not going to tell you to do something and not give you the opportunity to do it. And so as we're encouraging you to hear the voice of God over the summer, if your life's so hectic that you can't carve out time, we're going to carve out time for you. 8.30, 9.30, drop in on a Saturday morning uh, and have that opportunity to hear God's voice. Amen, church? If you got your Bibles, do me a favor and open up to the book of Mark. Mark in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, second book, chapter one. Pretty easy, right? Second book in New Testament, chapter one. As you're turning there, uh, we, we were recently in a series called Greater Things where I believe God has called our church to really have greater faith for a lot of things, and we're going to kind of revisit that in the fall. But what happened was, as you heard me talk about a minute ago, a lot of our church came down and kind of put these, these greater prayer requests into a jar, just great things that we were asking God to do above and beyond great faith. And so we've been praying over those things. And then I read in the Bible during just my morning study where Romans says that faith comes by what? Hearing. And so I said, oh my goodness, as a church, if we're going to be believing God for something big like this, we better get our hearing figured out, right? We better, we better work on our hearing so that we can hear the voice of God better. Because here's what I believe. The only thing better than talking to God is listening to God. Only thing better than telling him all about you is to be able to hear him and what he's saying to you. And so we're in a series called Seven, uh, in a series called Seven where we're trying to, to encourage ourselves how to hear the voice of God better. And the reason we called it Seven is because throughout the Bible there are seven common ways, tend to be seven common ways that God speaks to us. I'm not limiting God. He can speak in all kinds of ways. But when you follow Scripture, he tends to speak through about seven ways. And we're going to address those, and we want to teach you about them so that when God speaks to you through those ways, you hear him better. Now, he may not speak to you through all seven. I think God kind of picks one, two, or three that, that you are a little bit more sensitive to, and he knows that you receive well. 
and he kind of speaks to you through those. Like to give you an example, one of the ways God speaks to me all the time is through doors. Not, not literal doors, um, but, but the concept of opening doors and closing doors in my life. And I'll preach on that in a couple weeks. But that's just one of the ways I really tend to hear God. And so that's one of the ways I think he speaks to me. And he might speak to you through promptings or might speak to you through nature or might speak to you through, uh, you know, I'm um, trying to pain, for example. We're going to talk about all these things. But I figured we'd start the series talking about probably the most common way that God speaks to us or at least the most familiar way that God speaks to us, and that's through the Bible. He, God is still speaking through his already spoken word. Do you believe me? Interesting things about the Bible. Did you know that through research, they say that when it comes to the average household, there are anywhere between four to five, they labeled it 4.4 Bibles in average households. That's wild when you think about that. What's really crazy about that is I think about I grew up with zero Bibles in my home. And so when you think about that, that means there's some homes out there that might have eight, nine, or ten Bibles in their house. So that's a crazy stat to imagine. How many of you would say that growing up, we won't put you on blast, but growing up, you were in a house that had three to four to five Bibles in it? Anybody kind of give us an idea of what? Yeah, I mean, especially we're in the South. It's just kind of the norm. But I also think it's interesting that statistics say that 57% of people say that over the next year, they might read their Bible four times. Isn't that wild? Here it is, right? <laughs> Look at this. 807,361 words that were either inspired by or spoken by God. Right here. In every form, fashion, every cover. You can get it with a cool cover. You can get your name printed on the cover. It's 800 plus thousand words from him. Yet they say that the number one question that Christians have is, can you help me hear the voice of God? How do we hold in our hands 66 books that God wrote and still struggle to hear him? I think it's because we don't have an ear that's trained to hear. If you know anything about musicians, they tend to have ears that are trained to hear music and instruments and all these different things, it blows my mind because I am the least musically talented person you will ever meet. I have been begging our worship team to let me sing one song. Once, I mean, I'm, I pastor the church. Come on, let me sing one song. And they won't let me do it. They say, you sing way, way back there. And I just don't have that ability. And so it blows my mind when I watch them. They'll, they'll do practice and then they'll go over here and the vocals, which by the way, can we just give a hand for our band? Are they not incredible? Incredible. Sometimes I'm like, I just want to worship and don't preach. Um, and so they'll, they'll come gather, and the vocals will be here, and the band will lead here, and you've got Jeff and Jamal and Melanie and Jeff and, and Brianna and Ashley, all these people, Blake, Scout, they're all kind of talking through and working through the process because they all have ears to hear musically. When that don't sound right, that key, they start throwing out words I don't even understand. Key, pitch, the only thing I know about pitch is baseball, you know, so I start getting real confused. But they have an ear to hear, and I think we can also prepare our ears to hear God in his scripture. That's why I think all throughout scripture, you'll see Jesus say things like this. Those who have ears to hear, listen. Why do you say that? I've got ears. Everybody's got ears. But Jesus understood that you could have ears and not hear. And so he was telling us, train your ears 
to hear the word of God. And so this morning, I want to give you a very practical message, very practical, on how you and I can train our ears that when we sit down with the Bible, we can train our ears to hear the word of God. Let me say this before I get to preaching. If you're in here this morning, you don't have a Bible. If you will tell me after service, I will get you a Bible. Because it's important that you have it. You need to at least have one of those 4.4 in your house. You know what I mean? So here we go. Here's how you train your ear. Number one, you train your ear to have expectation. Expectation. In Mark chapter 1, we see a scenario with Jesus, verse 23. And we're going to walk through, where, or sorry, verse 21, where we're going to see a whole story play out that's really going to help this. So watch this. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came... Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. So Jesus comes up in the church and begins to teach. Can you imagine being that pastor, right? You've prepped all week for your message. You're ready to preach and in walks Jesus. I mean, you got to give it up, right? You can't not let him preach. Say, no, man, sit down. Let me tell you about yourself. You know, it doesn't really work that way. And so begins to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching. They're amazed at his teaching. Have you ever left here amazed at my teaching? Don't say that. Don't even, don't even, y'all be like, uh. We should be quiet. Because he taught them as one who had authority. Here's my favorite part. Not as the teachers of the law. <laughs> that had to be the most boring church services ever. Here's what they're saying. Jesus can preach, but ours pastors can't. I don't know what they're talking about, right? They are coming to church with no expectation. I think we've probably all been in a scenario, I hope this isn't the place for you, but I think we've all been in a scenario where we came in knowing that the person who was going to communicate to us was not going to do a good job, and so we had low expectations of what we were going to get out of that communication. True story, I'll never forget this. When we were children's pastors in Memphis, we had a spiritual daughter who was graduating sixth grade, and so we went to her graduation, and they introduced the speaker, and they had gotten one of the weathermen from the Memphis weather news channel thing. Very awkward. And so he comes up, and I'm like, oh, look, he's a celebrity. I've seen him on TV. He's always wrong, but I've seen him on TV. And so he gets up, and I'm not lying to y'all, and this isn't even the bad part, okay? He had his notes, and he literally read them. So it was just like, hello, my name is and I just want to say thank you for bringing me here, and I want to say this is so awesome. So congratulations to all of you graduates. And I mean, it was so fast. You were like, what is happening right now? But here was the part that blew my mind, all right? After a while, I could realize I'm checking out. Like, I'm not getting, I don't even know what's happening right now. And so he sounded like one of those auctioneers. Like, you, you know, I got a five, I got seven, I got ten, I got twelve, I got and so I was, I was gone. But then all of a sudden he got my attention because here's the deal. In a sixth grade graduation, he said three curse words. Blew my mind. Like, somebody should have pre-read his little message or something. You know what I mean? Like, it was crazy that you could be in an environment with a communicator and have such low expectations. So much that these guys are sitting there, they're biting their nails, they're playing, playing Candy Crush, right, because they're used to the current teachers of the law. And in comes Jesus, and Jesus starts talking, and they go, oh, my goodness. They come up with amazement because now, watch this, they, 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 get, they get in their seats. They, they, you know what the universal sign of listening is? Is when you're setting up. It's when you're setting up, leaning in. Not All y'all start setting up. And so now they're, they're leaning in, they're listening because they're amazed by Jesus. When we read our Bibles, we should read them with expectation. Matter of fact, we should, show, we should go get them off of our desk or wherever you keep them already 
with expectation. You should walk to them with expectation. You guys have all done something in your life that when you come into the environment, if you've ever been to Disney World, people are walking up to the gates with expectation. You should get out of your bed, get the booger, eye boogers out of your eyes, right? Drink your like liter of coffee and then go in, grab your Bible with expectation. This is the word of God. Something's going to happen to me when I read it. You know why? I think expectations tend to alter our experiences. You've all been to a movie before. Somebody told you the movie was going to be really good and you really enjoyed it. But if they wouldn't have told you that, uh, you probably would have said it was bad. Because your expectations tend to alter your experiences. I'm going to give you the best example I can give you. This is truth right now that your pre-expectations alter your experience. Okay, here's how. The DMV, you familiar with the DMV? The DMV experience is the same experience as Disney World. I'm going to show you, okay? The DMV, you wait in long lines. At Disney, you wait in long lines. At the DMV, you're sitting there in a very uncomfortable environment. For some reason, the air never works at the local DMV, right? So you're in an uncomfortable environment. If you're in Disney World in June, you are sitting there in an uncomfortable environment, okay? The DMV, going to take a lot of your money. Disney World, you ain't got no more money, okay? Everything. The DMV, you're, all you're going to hear all day is kids whining and throwing fits. At Disney World, all you're going to hear is yourself whining and throwing fits, right? It's literally the same experience, but our expectations are different. We go into the DMV expecting it to be the worst day of our life. We go into Disney World calling it a vacation. I think I'd rather go to the DMV. At least it's over within an hour, right? So it's all about our expectations. The other day I was on social media And I saw this thing, and I literally blew my own mind. I thought for a second that maybe I was a genius. I thought maybe I was a superhero. Um, I thought that maybe I could come in here, and you guys would be so amazed at who I was and what I was able to do. And then I realized that maybe you could do it too. Okay, so let me show you what this is. They call this a scrambled word illustration. I I want you to tell me, can can you read what this says? Just, Just read for a second. Tell me if you can read what that says. Okay, you clearly should be able to read. All right, just kind of take it through. Let me see who, everybody so far, let me see your hands if you got this, if you're doing okay reading this. All right, apparently you're not having a problem. So it says, it doesn't matter in what order the letters in a word are. The only important thing is that the first and last letter be in the right place. The rest can be a total uh, mess, and you can still read it without problem. This is because the human mind does not read every letter but by itself, but it, the word as a whole. I thought I was a superhero. I thought I, I thought I thought I had taken one of those like limitless pills and I all of a sudden became like all my all my senses were strong. I thought I was amazing. Then I read it and realized, oh, every human can do this. There's nothing special about me. Every human can do this because what happens is your mind sees the first letter and it sees the last letter and it begins to expect what's in the middle. Right? So it just sees it. It doesn't notice that the E and the O are wrong. It expects it to be right. That's the power of your expectation. You have such an expectation, watch this, that if you can line the beginning and the end right, I'm going to tell you what the beginning is in a minute. All right, we're going to wait for the beginning. The end is that God still speaks through his word. Do you believe that? 
That's the end. We're going to talk about the beginning in a second. If you can line the end and the beginning up, then it's left up to your expectation on whether or not you experience God while reading Scripture. Let me tell you what the beginning is. There's a story in 1 Samuel where a young man by the name of Samuel who has never heard the voice of God up to this point, okay? He doesn't know how to hear the voice of God, a lot like a lot of us. He's sleeping in his room, and he hears Samuel. Here's somebody call his name, Samuel. So he gets up, and he runs into the room of his guardian by the name of Eli, and he says, hey, did you call me? And Eli says, no, I didn't call you. Go back, lay down. So Samuel goes and lays back down. Here's it again. Samuel, he gets up, comes back in. Yo, did you call me? No, I didn't call you. Go lay back down. Happens again. The third time that Samuel comes into Eli's room, Eli recognizes, and you can see the verse that kind of explains it, Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. At that moment, Eli realizes that God is trying to speak to Samuel. So he says to him, go back and lie down. Go back to your room, lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Here's what I love about it. Number one, Samuel is going back to his room with expectation. See that? Go back to your room. Get ready to listen again. I'm going back with expectation. If he, call, if he calls me. He doesn't call me twice, three times. He will call me again. I'm laying down with expectation. When we sit down with expectation. Now watch this. Then he says, prepare yourself that when he does speak, you say, speak for your servant is listening. Watch. What I love about Samuel is his level of expectation met his level of preparation. I can tell how much you expect from God by how much you prepare for God. See what I mean? So the ending is that God still speaks through his word, but the beginning is your preparation. When we prepare to hear God and we expect to hear God, God speaks so many of us want God to speak in our timetable, right? I, I got to make lunches. I got to take a shower. Got to do the laundry. Got to get to work on time. God, sometime in between all this hustle and bustle, I need you to speak to me about my decision. And we have no desire to prepare. Listen, the next time you want to hear God speak through his word, make an appointment. My wife told me one time, she said, Troy, all you ever do is you appoint, you, you do everything. You appoint. She said, I want you to work me into that appointment. When you're doing this meeting and that meeting, I want you to set a meeting with Darla, meeting with the kids, because she knew I was so... And so we have to learn how to make an appointment with God. Prepare. Get yourself a little place. Get yourself a comfortable chair. Listen, it's serious. Preparation's serious, because if you get an uncomfortable chair, all you'll think about is how your booty hurts. You know what I mean? So you got to get a comfortable chair. You got to get your Bible, get a notepad, get a pen, get whatever you can get and be prepared. Set aside some time. Leave your phone in another room, okay? Start with 15 minutes. You ain't got to come out being Billy Graham. Just start for 15 minutes and get in there and for 15 minutes open the book to John chapter 1 and just read. Just prepare. Our biggest problem is we're expecting without preparing. When I met Darla, I've told you all this a lot of times, her family was very athletic. And I was always trying to impress her. I've told you before about the lake experience. Let me share with you about the skiing experience. Um, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. The only thing I've ever known how to do is uh, play basketball and deal drugs. I'm kidding. I didn't deal drugs. Um, play basketball. And so when, when I heard I was going skiing, I thought, that'll be fun. 
And so we get there, and um, I've never even placed a ski on my body before. Don't even, I've never even held one in my hand. And so we get there, and we walk in, and we check in, and we walk out onto the snow. It was in St. Louis, so it's like the man-made snow. And I see this building over here, and Darla says, do you want to go there? I said, what's that? She said, that's like the school where they teach you how to ski before you go out to ski. And I said, well, are, are you going? And she said, no, I've been skiing for years. I said, well, is your brother or dad going? No, they've been skiing. I said, well, I'm not going. She said, don't you want to prepare? I said, no. I've got expectations, baby. And so I put my skis on, which are really awkward. They're like boots that are like stiff at a certain angle. It's not, you know, you had to walk like this. And so I remember I fell down the first hill. Like I went to ski down it, fell down it. Her father stood above me. I'll never forget this. He looked at me. He goes, nobody in my family quits. And I was like, I don't want to be in your family. And I realized that wasn't even a hill. It wasn't even like an actual ski slope. That was literally, they had picnic tables, and then it was a little hill down to where the actual land was. So I had already not conquered skiing. It was literally from here to the ground, all right? And I was on my back. It was bad. So then I'm sitting there. I'm, you know, doing all this kind of stuff, holding on to people. They had this cool thing where you hand onto the rope, and the rope pulls you up. and all this. I just was up there with all the four-year-olds, like, wee. You know, and then I saw it. I've seen it in movies all the time. The, I don't even know what they're called. Ski lifts? Is that what you call them? I said, oh, my goodness. I got to ride one of those. And so I shimmied over there, you know, held on to like four little children and got onto the ski lift and just. And when I got at a certain height, I thought, this is probably a bad idea. I don't know how I'm going to get down. And so we get up to the, I think it was like a green. I don't know if you know this, but they're like colors. Green. And so I'm sitting over there, you know, trying to, and I'm asking the guy that works there, he's like an attendant, and I think he'd be smart enough to go, hey, send this boy back down, okay? And I'm like, how, what do I do? He goes, oh, man, just, just ski. I said, I don't know how to ski. He said, you didn't take the preparation class? No. <laughs> what did you expect? See, he's preaching my sermon. I'm like, I don't know. And so he said this to me. He said, when you go down, skate to the sides. Skate to this side. Skate to that side, ski, sorry, ski to this side, and you'll slowly make your way down. I said, man, good looking out. So I get, I go, I'm going. Any of y'all ever skied before? Wait till how this story ends. And all of a sudden, my strides start getting shorter. And now I'm forward. I'm just going straight. And the only thing I've ever been told about skiing was this. Well, I'm sorry. They, they, they did tell me this, that when you want to stop, do the pizza thing, right? Do the pizza. So I'm doing the pizza, and nothing's happening. So I revert back to all of my preparation and education on skiing. And here's what I know from movies. I've always seen people do this, right? That's all I've ever seen. And so I'm shh. And I was like, I know what I'm doing. Whew. Apparently, when you do this, you go like 10,000 times faster, okay? So now I'm flying down this hill. And here's the real problem. As I'm like, there's a bunch of people at the bottom of this hill just standing around talking. Because apparently when other people ski, they know how to just ski right around them. They had no idea that this guy was on the ski slope, right? So I'm flying down. Meanwhile, I didn't know this till afterwards. Meanwhile, my wife and her dad are going up the ski slope or the ski lift. They're going up. Literally, she told me, she goes, hey, Dad, look, there's Troy. She points at me. Shh. Now I'm getting faster, getting closer, getting closer. 
I've been doing really well. I've stayed up. Now the problem is, how do I stop? Because the pizza thing ain't working, right? It's not working. And as I get closer and closer, I realize that these people that I see are teenagers. And they're just standing around chatting. And there's a really good chance I'm about to kill one. Because if I touch them, heads are going to fly, like literally, decapitation. And so I'm trying to figure this process out, and I don't know what else to do. So I revert back again to my intelligence on skiing. And here's what I've seen people do when they want to stop. In the movies, they stop like this all the time. They're coming, shh, shh, and they go, right? And they're like, shh, shoot a little snow out, and then they stop. I said, oh, I'm about to impress me some teenagers, boy. I'm going to come down, shh. Hey, kids. Walk up. What I didn't know is when you're going at the speed I was going at and you do this, it's the same thing as if you were driving and just whipped your car sideways. And so when I hit that, I hit and literally went cartwheeling. Just do 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 And I did end up landing like right in front of them. But I'll never forget this. My wife ended up skiing down there and she goes, did you see that guy crash and that big puff of snow go up in the air? She said, it was like he was a snowball. And I was like, really? I didn't see that. You know what I mean? I didn't tell him until we got to the hotel that night. Like, I almost died. Don't let's. So the next day we went skiing, I just hung out in the lobby and watched the basketball game on TV. Like, this is, this is bad. See, preparation, right, versus expectation. I should have prepared before I expected. If we learn to prepare and then expect, Prepare. Put the Bible aside. Put the notepad aside. Figure out what you're going to read. Most of our problems, we wake up in the morning, we have no idea what we're going to read. So we open the Bible, it looks intimidating, and we put it down. Prepare, then expect. Amen? So once you've trained your ear for expectation, secondly, you have to train your ear to be attentive. Attentive. Give attention. I think the human ear has selective attention. I'll prove it to you. The other day I was talking to Casey Ray. She's my three-year-old. And she had done something to disobey me, and so I came up with a punishment that I even knew I wasn't going to uphold, right? I was like, listen, if you disobey me again, you will not have media for the rest of the week. You will not watch the TV. You will not touch the iPad or the iPhone. I never realized I was making my life horrible in the same process, right? But I said, you, your life will be horrible. And she went, okay, Daddy. And I thought, that's a weird response. Because if you were leaving, losing your TV privileges all week, you think you'd be a little bit more upset. And so I said, Casey Ray, did you hear what I said? He said, yes, Dad. I said, babe, I said, if you disobey me, you will not have media privileges all week. Do you hear me? Yes, sir. So I said, Casey Ray, yeah, Dad. What did I say? She looked at me and she went, come on. That, that selective attention, you know you all have somebody in your life that you pretend to listen to and you don't hear a word they say. You know, you're sitting there thinking about all kinds of other stuff and they're talking and you don't listen. My dad used to tell me this story I thought was so great. This is marriage counseling for some of you. Him and my mom would be in bed at night and he, he, said, he used to tell me her voice knew how to put him to sleep. Maybe it's not marriage counseling. Um, and so he, she'd be talking, right, and he'd fall asleep. And he'd say, all of a sudden, I'd wake back up. And he said, I'd realize that I'd been asleep now for like 20 minutes. And she would moved into a different conversation. And she would say something like, well, what do you think, babe? 
And he's like, I'm sitting here going like, I don't even know what we're talking about. So he said, I just go like, yeah, I think we should get new curtains. And she'd be like, what? I wasn't even talking about curtains. You know what I mean? So it's just that selective attention. It's like we choose who to listen to. If we're going to hear God in his word, we have to give him our attention. Look what happens in the rest of that story. After Jesus comes in and starts speaking, right, he's speaking with authority. It says, just then a man in their synagogue, a man in the church who was possessed by an impure spirit cries out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus says, be quiet, come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. So even ears of an impure spirit pay attention to the word of God. If you read your Bible, even landscapes pay attention to the word of God. For he said, look at that mountain and tell it to move and it'll move. You keep reading your Bible, you'll see that even weather patterns pay attention to the word of God because he would speak to storms and say, be still. Everything and everyone pays attention to the word of God. Do you know why? Because our ears have a tendency to pay attention to authority. The only reason why we don't pay attention to the word of God is because we don't understand the authority of the word of God. Your ears, right now, your ears are sensitive to authority. Once again, I'll prove it to you. Go to work tomorrow and let your boss come into your office and say, hey, I want to meet with you. All of a sudden, you could have been playing Candy Crush or, or Free Sale or whatever it was in your computer. Now, all of a sudden, you're paying attention, right? Because there's authority. Today, go to lunch, be driving down the road. You'll probably zone out or text or whatever people do when they drive, everything but drive. And so you're driving, and all of a sudden, let yourself hear, whoop, right? Let you just hear a, a sound of a policeman. All of a sudden, you're 10-12 or 10-2, right? You tell, I don't know how to drive, 10-12. You're 10, boom, boom. You're just, you are paying attention now because there's authority. Here's the best proof, if you still don't believe me. Let your mother call you by your middle name. Am I right? They could call you, but she could call you by your first name all day. You wouldn't even care. You would not even listen. Like, I don't care. Let her slide in that middle name. Right? Um, for example, if Jamal's mom was calling his name, if she was walking through the house saying, Jamal, 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 he wouldn't listen. He doesn't care. But all of a sudden, you let, you let him hear her say, Jamal Theodore Bennett. That's not even his middle name, but I just thought it'd be fun. <laughs> Jamal Theodore Bennett, get over here. Now all of a sudden, there's attention, right? Paying attention because there's authority. There's authority now behind what's being said. There's authority in this Bible. The problem we make is when we categorize the word of God at an equal level with everybody else's word. It's supposed to be above. This is God-breathed. That's the thing I sometimes forget, is that it's not, you know, John, Luke, and Larry got together with a pen and just wrote down what they saw happen, but it's God-inspired, and it's God-spoken. The red letters Jesus said. This, like a sharp-edged two or sharp two-edged sword, has the ability to split and divide between soul and spirit. This thing is powerful. The word of God. So go get it with expectation, but listen to me. When you sit down, sit down and give your attention to it. We want to read this 
while sharing our attention with everything else. Well, I know I got to cook this. I know I got to make that. Let me check Instagram while I've got it, right? And I understand we're all human. I'm not condemning anybody. I do the same thing. But I'm teaching you as much as I'm teaching myself. When I sit down, God, I want to give it attention. And I don't want to pay attention. to. I want to pay you. I want to treat you like an authority. When a cop comes to my window to give me a ticket for not wearing my seatbelt, I don't text and play on Instagram while he's talking to me. I'm, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hold on. I got a tie in the back. Yes, sir. You know, everything. Authority. The authority of the word of God. They call it the authoritative word of God because he spoke it and because it's him. And if you start recognizing it's him, then we sit down with a higher expectation and we sit down with a more focused attention. Troy, how do I pay attention to the Bible? Because there's a lot of words I don't understand. Amen, and I'm a preacher. Start at John chapter 1. Start reading and listen to me. Here's how you pay attention. You listening? Start reading and wait until you pause. And if you pause because you don't understand, do research. Stop what you're doing and go do research. We live in a world where the entire world is at our fingertips on our phone. Go get your phone because you would have prepared and put it in a different room. So go get your phone and Google it. Do research. Be done for the day. Research that. If you come to a pause because you're convicted, stop what you're doing and pray. If you come to a pause because it's prompting you, stop what you're doing and go do it. One of the things I love to do is I love to read the scripture and then go on about my day and I try to chew on that verse all day. And I've told you all this before, I like to ask myself, what if I was in that moment? What if I was that person? So our ears have to have expectation, our ears have to be attentive, and then watch this, our ears have to be trained to respond. To respond. The most dangerous thing you'll ever do is read the Bible without expecting to do what it says. It's the most dangerous thing you can do. I heard somebody say this one time, what would happen if we locked ourselves in a room and we read the Bible until it told us to do something and then we got up, went out, and did it? The world would be different, wouldn't it? Look what happens at the end of our story in Mark. It says the people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? Is this a new teaching? Is this, what is this? Is this church? Is this church? Is this, is this a new teaching? Is this, in other words, I'm, I'm expecting now. I'm amazed now. I'm, a, I'm paying attention. Uh, is this a new teaching? Because normally I'm bored up in here. Like, like, what's happening? And then it's with authority, so I'm paying attention to it. I'm attentive to it. And it says, he even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. So even impure spirits know that they have to respond to the word of God. We have to know that we have to respond to the word of God. James said, chapter 1, verse 22, do not deceive yourselves. Don't deceive yourselves. Don't just merely listen to the word. word. Don't, just, don't just listen to the word, but do what it says. Hear it, because when you hear it, you do what it says. When I was growing up, there was a popular toy. Let's see if, Tim, you don't mind handing that to me. Um, how many of y'all remember the Bop It? You remember the Bop It? Bop it. Spin it. Ram it. it you, what you do is you start it. Y'all probably can't hear it. Sorry. 
solo. I don't even know what that means. So we say, bop it. Twist it. I messed up. Hold on. Do it again. Bop it. Twist it. Pull it. Twist it. Bop it. Bop it. Huh? Oh, I had to pass it. My bad. You know what? I was, I was thinking about this, and, I, and literally, I know y'all are like, this dude's lost his mind. Uh, listen, I'm thinking about this, and I'm like, this is literally the Bible. Stop it. Stop talking. This is literally the Bible, because watch. When I play it, I have to have expectation. What's it going to say? What's it going to say? Right? Is it going to say twist? So what's it going to say? Is it going to say bop it? I'm going to listen. I'm, gonna, I'm expecting it to do something. And then, because I'm expecting it to do something, what am I doing? I'm paying attention to it. Paying attention to it. Stop talking to me. Paying attention to it. I'm listening. But you know what I learned about the bop it? Is what's the point if you don't what? Respond. If you don't do what it says. It doesn't matter how much you expect and it doesn't matter how much attention you pay to it. If you just stare at it and don't do nothing, guess what? Game's over. Do this at your next uh, hangout with your friends. Buy a bop it. Come in. Sit on the table. Start pressing it. And when they go to grab it, say, no, no, no. Don't do anything. Let's just, let's just listen to it. People are like, did you... Did you swing by that one store on the way here where they sell legal marijuana? Like, what's wrong with you? What do you mean that we're going to, we need to, we need to do something. In order for us to enjoy this, we need to, we need to do something. Yes, it's the same thing with the Bible. In order for you to ever fully grasp it, hear it, or enjoy it, you've got to do what it says. And if you're right now going, well, I've never known it to tell me to do anything, then you might want to start reading it. Because it tells us to do a lot of things. It tells you to love your neighbors, right? It tells you to pray. It tells you to go to church. It tells you to worship. It tells you to obey or, or to, to how to parent your kids. It tells you how to be a great husband. It tells you how to be a great wife. It tells you how to be a great child. It tells you how to be a great brother, sister, mother, cousin, aunt, uncle. It tells you a lot of things. The only reason why we don't hear from it is because if we are paying expect, if we have expectation and if we're paying attention, we're not prepared to do anything about it. Don't ever come back to church not ready to do what God tells you to do through these sermons. I was so encouraged to watch the entire church participate a couple weeks in giving those prayer requests. I thought that was so cool. We're a brand new church. Everybody's still trying to figure everybody out, but to see people respond was so incredible. And God, this, this is what God does through our church. I can't speak for every church, but God is speaking to us with an expectation of our response. And if we don't respond, God moves on. Because all throughout Scripture, you can see God looks for people who will do what he says. Well, well, you don't understand. I don't speak well. I don't care. Well, you don't understand. I, there, who, who will I say? Who, who will I say? you Say, I am the I am. Just do it. Just do it, do it, whatever it is, do it. Come to church, serve, bring people, watch people, pray for people. Do what the Bible says. And here's what I know about the Bible. The more you do what it says, the more you'll hear it. And the closer you'll feel to God. Let me share with you this example and I'll, I'll be done. Um, I'd love to tell you that when we 
felt God move us here, that we were really spiritual and that we fasted and prayed daily and that God chose us because we are valors of his word, I'd be lying. We were just like anybody else, struggling to try to figure out how to hear God. Because here's what I know, and you would say this, if God would write something on the wall, I'd do it right now. If God told me to get off the stage and smack Jamal in the face, I'd do it right now. Matter of fact, ooh, did he speak? No, I'm just kidding. Um, You know what I mean? That's how we are. If God would make it clear, we'd do it. The problem is we have a very hard time knowing God said to clearly do it. And so because we don't know clearly, we start to doubt in our mind. Well, I thought God told me to give, but then I won't have. Or I thought God told me to go, but then what will happen? And da 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 So as we're taking steps and God's starting, I told you he speaks to me through doors. And I'll explain to all of this in a couple of weeks. But when God really opened up the door to go plant a church, the only thing I didn't know was where. The tendency as a human is let's go where nobody knows Jesus, right? Let's go where nobody knows Jesus. That's everywhere. There's, there's people everywhere who don't know Jesus. So you can't, you can't make that choice. I lived in Memphis for 32 of my 32 years of living. I didn't know anywhere else. What's crazy is all 18 people that moved with us committed to move before we ever knew where we were going. Isn't that crazy? So there were moments like that where God really confirmed in my heart that I knew what he was doing. But y'all, I didn't know where. I had never set foot in Smyrna, Tennessee. Didn't even know where it was. Honestly, didn't even know it existed until we got here. How do you pray to hear God's voice about something that you don't even know how to ask? So here's what happened. I told you before, I'm doing my morning prayer, and I'm just, God, I don't know. I need to hear your voice. I need to hear your voice. Tell me where to go, 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 where to go. Statistics say, these people say, my mom says, don't go nowhere. You know, what are we going to do? And I get to work that day, and my pastor at the time says, hey, I want you to go to a conference with me. I said, I'm not going to any. I'm conferenced out. I don't care. I'm, all I want to do is sit in a room quietly and hear God, because that's what we think. We think that we have to light candles and lock a door to hear God but it sometimes has more to do with expectation and attention and response than it does with the scenario that you're in. And so I said, well, hey, I love my pastor. He's wise. I'll go on this trip. I'll get free food, and I'll be able to ask him suggestions while we're on the road, right? Win-win situation. So we get to this conference, and it was early in the morning, so I, I didn't sleep well, so I'm tired, and I walk in, and here's my thought. I'm about to show you just how real your pastor is. I walked into the auditorium, kind of like you did today, and I thought, I'll sit in the back so I can play Candy Crush. <laughs> That's what some of y'all did today. Um, and so I was like, then, then at least I won't fall asleep, right? So, so I walk in, and here's what my pastor says. Hey, come here. Come here, Troy. He takes us to the front row, people. <laughs> Only Ben sits on front row, right? Nobody just saves me the front and at least here we got straight seats so like you guys aren't being seen by these people there it had that whole octagon octagon shape type thing so not only could the preacher see me half the room could see me and I'm just sitting here like what am I gonna do I'm gonna fall asleep and I'm like well my pastor tends to look at his phone for for notes and sermons so when he does that I'll pull out my phone like I'm taking notes but I'll play candy crush right just makes a lot of simple so worship, and I, I didn't do that during worship. I worshiped. And so I sit down, and, and he gets up and leaves. To this day, matter of fact, when I leave here, I'm going to call him and ask him. I don't know where he went. He got up and left. 
and I'm on the front row by myself and everybody's looking at me and I'm exhausted. And all I wanted to do was go home and say, God, please send me a letter from a state and a city to where I can go and hear your voice to plant a church. So I said, well, I can't play Candy Crush anymore. It's going to be really awkward. And so the gentleman speaking got up. True, true story. He gets up and he goes, let's give glory to God. Do you feel his presence in this place? I thought, oh my gosh. Sleep in his introduction. And so, 100% true story. I leaned up. You'll see me sometimes when I desperately need to hear God, I'll do these things. I said, God, you know I need to hear from you on where we're supposed to plant this church. And if I don't hear from you soon, I don't even know that I'll know that I'm supposed to plant this church. Because how do I move forward when I don't even know how to move forward? And so I said, God, I tell you what, as crazy as it sounds, I'm going to pay attention to this sermon and I'm going to expect that you speak to me through this guy. And I need to know that I'm supposed to plant this church and that even though I don't know where I'm going, you're going to tell me. I just need to know that. I just need to be confident in knowing that you're directing my steps. And so I'm going to listen to this gentleman preach and I'm expecting to hear your voice. And I leaned back, kept my phone in my pocket. I'm expecting and now I'm attentive, right? He goes, oh, welcome, God, presence in this building. And would you shake a hand? I didn't even get up. I said, I'm not shaking nobody's hand, God. I'm, in case he speaks to his friend, I'm going to hear that. So I'm listening. Everybody's like, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Pastor's still not back. If you're watching this, where were you? And so he starts preaching. Here's what he says. He says, I'm going to, don't, don't do the scripture yet. He says, uh, I'm going to preach from, from one verse today. I thought, Really? That's all I get? I'm supposed to hear all this stuff in one verse? It better be a good one. I'm going to preach from one verse today, Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the 8th verse. Here's what it said. Watch this. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed. And he went, even though he did not know where he was going. Wow. I said, God, me and you going to talk. Doesn't get more cut and dry than that right there. And so I'll never forget it. Came time for all the time and I stood up crying. I don't even know what he said. I'll try to look back at my notes and all I had written down was that verse. Must have blacked out after that. And I remember saying, God, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how you're going to get me there. But I've asked you to speak to me and you spoke to me. 
And so I responded. And here we are. Would you stand with me this morning just for a moment? I think God wants to do something so great in this church, and most of all, I think he wants to do something so great in and through you. But I think it's going to take faith beyond what we have currently. And before we can get back into that, I think God has to train our ears to hear. Because the thing God wants to do in and through us, it's going to be so wild that we won't believe it on our own faith. And if we don't hear God confirm it, we'll start to doubt it. And so God says, I'm training your ear. This summer, I'm going to train your ear. So when you open the word of God, whenever you're trying to hear the word of God, start with expectation. God, I'm expecting you to speak. When you're driving in your car, expect him to speak. When you wake up, if you've got a devotional, maybe it's one of those kind of where you read one thing a day, expect, 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 and be attentive to what God's saying. Give him your attention. Don't give him 25 and your kids 50 and your spouse 25 and the news channel 20. Give him all of your attention so he can speak. And then listen, church, whatever he says, whatever he says, be ready to respond. I wanted to pray this prayer. I wanted you to do this with me and then we'll close. I love how Samuel went back to his room and said, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. Wow. What expectation. What attention. What, what, what to put yourself in a position ready to respond. And so I thought it'd be great for us to, to end today, but to start the rest of this summer saying that personally from ourselves to God. So do me a favor. Just close your eyes. And... I don't really know how to like lead you into it without it being fake. And so I'm just going to, to explain it and then let you do it. You may do it verbally. You may do it internally. You may move your hands. You may shake your head. I don't know what you'll do. But this is between you and God. But this is your moment. You have gone back to your room. The Lord is trying to speak to you. You want to hear the voice of God. And so now is your moment to just say, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. For this summer, God, I pray over the next seven weeks, six weeks, whatever it is, that God, you would find us faithful in saying, speak, for your servant is listening. In the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, on Sunday, on Saturday, Lord, every single moment in the car, on the way to work, every moment that you can just squeeze in a word, I pray that we would find time and prepare a place to hear your voice. But God, I know there are people in here who are asking things from you, God. Some are asking for healing. Some are asking for confirmation. Some are asking for affirmation. Some are asking for provision. Some are just asking for favor and for you to point in a right direction. And God, the only way that we're going to see those prayers come to be is if we train our ears to hear you when you give us direction. Because God, you may be telling us to quit that job. You may be telling us to stay. You may be telling us to give above our tithes and offerings. You may not. You may be telling us to talk to that person. You may be telling us to go to that place. God, you're speaking to us right now. Even today, you're speaking to us. And so in the most practical way I know how, Lord, we copy Samuel and we say, speak, Lord, for your servants at Victory Church are listening. Tell us what to do. Tell us how to do it. 
so that as we move forward, we see your hand on our lives in every way. If you haven't said it yet, say it now. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said,